0: Welcome to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman. I'm excited as always to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here just after the end of the Rockies, splitting a four-game set with the Chicago Cubs. Had the chance to take it, had their opportunities to win the Sunday afternoon contest that just wrapped up as of my speaking to you now, but end up losing six to four on a bad day at the ballpark for Austin Gomber, and uh, an offense that just missed a couple of opportunities. I'll start right there, and then because I hadn't podcasted since, I do want to talk about the Saturday night game a little bit. But let's begin with where this one was decided, where it was ultimately lost, and that was with a bad day from Austin Gomber. And, you know, I tweeted this out, and it really is ironic and interesting that... The Colorado Rockies starting pitching just has been their strength for the last several years. If you understand how to, you know, balance for the ballpark and all of those things, and you don't even have to be an expert in ERA plus, but if you just look at the quality of their starting pitching, really going back to 2017, the starting pitching has been the strength of this team. There have been times where the offense has been decent. There have been times when the bullpen has been decent now for the last two or three years, those times have been few and far between, right? The offense and and bullpen have been pretty bad. What's interesting so far in this early 2022 season is that the starting pitching hasn't been good. In fact, it's been the weakest element of the team. Now, again, they haven't been absolutely awful this is one of the worst you know by line outings that you're going to see Gomber goes four and a third uh, gives up five runs on eight hits uh, only four of them earned so it's not going to ding his ERA quite as much but the four walks you know he's going to tell you he hates that uh, Buddy hates that a big part of his success and profile is not walking guys and, and that really tells you what the issue was today he just didn't have command of his pitches you know the stuff was fine it's it's different from how we saw Marquez struggle in his most recent outing where his stuff wasn't there his delivery was off he wasn't getting his velo he wasn't getting the bite on his knuckle curveball all that stuff right here with Gomber Maybe the slider was a little bit flat today, but ultimately I think it was, it all came down to command. He just wasn't hitting his spots. And, you know, I'm not a pitching guru, as I said before, with the Marquez conversation. I don't know if he was flying open early, if he was having trouble with his release point or what, but he just wasn't hitting his spots. He couldn't get strikes when he needed to. He was, he had way, way too many counts where he was down two-0 on, on really non-competitive pitches, stuff like that. So that was really where it all fell apart for him. It, you know, you give up runs in each of the three first three innings of the game. Uh, you know, he's not able to get out of it. He got bit by the home run ball early. We have seen that before. But a solo home run, you know, you don't mind. It's all the traffic, all of the guys being able to go up there. And like with Freeland and Marquez, you know, the Cubs approach it, which was obviously, you know, pretty successful for them throughout the series, wasn't to go out there and try to smash – the baseball too much you know they were really just putting contact out there floating the ball into the outfield they did have some hard contact against Gomber but it's the right approach at Coors Field and it paid off for them it was brutal for him i'm not worried about Gomber in the long term yet again like we talked about with Marquez this is one of those things that goes on uh, it it can happen you're only going to have you know hopefully so many of these clunkers in the year where you just come out of the bullpen and you don't have your command uh, you know, there are going to be games where his command is is pinpoint. And you just got to hope that, you know, he can deal enough in in the meantime. And ultimately, like we've said over and over again, even in these games that they've lost... He kept them in it enough. You know, he didn't totally let it get out of hand. There were a couple of times those five runs could have become six or seven. They would have maybe had to go to the bullpen a little bit earlier. And, of course, the pen, and, and particularly Ashton Godot, who inherited a bases-loaded situation again, and, uh, yeah, did give up one run, but only the one run. That's when you come into bases-loaded, one-out situation, uh, you know, that's that's a successful outing for Godot, especially considering he actually ended up going two more uh, innings after that. So he continues to be very, very good in the long roll for the Rockies. And that one time he had to pick up a save. Tyler Kinley coming in and bailing him out once he did get himself into a little bit of trouble and he was very, very good in his inning of work. And Justin Lawrence continues to look very good, getting a pair of strikeouts. He had walk a guy. That's one thing you want to keep your eyes on with him. There was a little bit more of a, a fight with his command today, but Justin Lawrence's slider is a really, really good pitch right now, which is making his sinker that much better of a pitch right now. But that was really the story of the game for the Rockies on the pitching side. Frustrating day for Austin Gomber, absolutely. uh, But not something that I think you're going to see too often from him. It is, of course, um, both frustrating and a bit bizarre that the Rockies have not been able to get length out of their starting pitching. So far, really, in any game other than the one where Marquez went seven innings, they're just not getting length out of these guys. That'll change. Uh, Some of that's the truncated spring training. Some of that's just them having a couple individual clunkers of days. Uh, Some of that has been, uh, and, you know, and CJ Crone admitted a a little bit to this last night for Sensatella's length and and the issue there. Sometimes the defense is is making a couple of mistakes out there behind them, and and that doesn't help either, though I wouldn't say that the defense by any means has been an issue. It's just all of that has kind of accumulated and led to the, the Rockies starting pitching being the weakest element of the team so far, which is fascinating for two reasons. One, that's not gonna continue. They're they're gonna be better. These guys are gonna pitch to their career numbers. They're gonna get it locked in. But, the, of course, the other flip side is it really hasn't cost them a ton, right? You, some of these games have been winnable, but you certainly don't expect to come out of the gate 9-0. and And if they did come out of the gate 9-0, and you'd be sitting there waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's almost too blistering of a pace, right? Like, that's highly unsustainable. Where 6-3, and three, without being carried by any single person offensively, without having your starting pitching there for you yet, is something that you'll obviously take and especially you know people who were worried this was going to be another like truly terrible season for the Rockies this is a, this is a very good start if that's something that you were concerned about and I know a lot of people are saying hey you know the Cubs aren't a very good team you got to be able to take care of these guys but first of all we don't know that yet um you know that's that, that can often be a mistake early in the season how good uh, the Cubs are or are not they threw a couple of pretty quality starting pitchers in this series, especially, you know, Marcus Stroman, even though they did end up winning that game, but that's uh, the Rockies, of course, but that's, you know, we'll find out. On the flip side, you know, they take the series from the Dodgers and the Rangers absolutely after all the money that they spent in the offseason. They expect to be there in the postseason as well. So we can play that game all day ultimately, you know, and even the thing like to to start getting into the conversation about the offense in this game where I hear people saying like, oh man, the Rockies, you got to crush Drew Smiley. Like he's not very good. First of all, I'm not quite sure where that came from. Drew Smiley has been pretty decent for a while. He's got some seasons on his resume where he was very very good he's got several more seasons on his resume where he's just been like okay basically a league average pitcher he's actually somebody I've always been interested in maybe the Rockies giving a look I I like Drew Smiley I think he's got a good combination of stuff and you know I think it's one of those things that can keep hitters off balance in, in an interesting way and he managed to throw some really good pitches when he needed to this afternoon and You know, I think that's one of those places where we oftentimes, as analysts or as fans or or whoever watching the game of baseball, get too caught up in, like, this guy's numbers are X, therefore, that's what he should be. He should give up a bunch of runs. But first of all, Drew Smiley's been well above the league average over his last couple of seasons, so... He's not bad by any means. He's going to have those games where he goes out and he's got his good stuff. And when any guy in the big leagues, and this is something that I think a lot of people miss, like when anybody who's up there in the bigs comes out and has their good stuff and throws good pitches, the, the odds are always in favor of the pitcher. That's just the game. There was one pitch today. So obviously what I'm talking about here now, right, are the opportunities the Rockies had. Because it's not like they were up there flailing away against Smiley either. They had their opportunities. They had their base runners. They had their chances. Tough luck for Connor Joe there in the first on a double that, according to the overlays and the and the statistical data that the smart people out there can run, that would have been a home run in any park except for Coors Field. That left center field gap is the one place where, as a power hitter, you do get kind of hosed at Coors because it's such a deep, deep gap out there. So, if he'd have pulled that ball just a little bit more, or hit it a little more straight straight away center, or if they'd have been playing anywhere else, Connor Joe would have had a home run right there. Uh, but the Rockies don't even end up getting a run there in the first, despite having first and third, nobody out. You get the big strikeout from CJ Crone, and then Elias Diaz hits into a double play. Now, in those particular at-bats, I thought Smiley threw some of his best stuff of the day in that at-bat to Krohn. Like that was, that's a tough one. And it's not like you can say, well, crone has been bad or he went up there with a bad approach. And like in both of his at-bats with runners on in the first there and then again in the seventh, you know, I thought that they, they had the right approach. They had the right idea. And I asked Bud Black about this after the game and he basically said to me, yeah, you know, and, and he did get around to a, a good old fashioned Bud Black, that's baseball answer. But ultimately like he's right. The only pitch that I think was really, really frustrating was once Diaz, who, again, after a good at-bat, after not offering it some stuff out of the zone, working the count full uh, there in the seventh uh, against, was it Rucker? No, it was the guy who came in after him. Um, He finally did on the sixth pitch of the at-bat. He got a fastball right down the middle, and he just swung right through it. And, And that's frustrating right as a fan I, I promise you elias diaz is as frustrated as anybody that, that happened um but but bud black is right it's like, it's like he didn't go up there and pop out on the infield on the very first pitch he saw he wasn't hacking at stuff way out of the zone he didn't come out of his approach he just ultimately ultimately missed what was a hittable 3-2 pitch and other than that you know Krohn and Diaz, they've been very good so far this season. You're not going to come through in every situation. Uh, That's what Buddy said to me after the game, basically. You'd love for him to always be able to come through there. And if really, that's four plate appearances where you only need one hit in any of them, and it probably swings the game back in favor of the Rockies, right? If Krohn can come up with a nice little gap or double there in the first the Rockies take a 2-1 lead even after the early home run. Or if, same thing, if Diaz there with the bases loaded in the seventh, either of them can put the ball in the gap or down the line. Even a single is going to score a pair, tie the ball game up. But it just didn't happen, right? Hitting is very hard. It's That's why the very best hitters in baseball still only have, you know, 333 batting averages, stuff like that. So, That was obviously very frustrating, but still hard to say that the offense was terrible on a day where they threw out nine hits, four runs. They did make a comeback. They did get themselves into it, even though I know there were those frustrating situations where you know, in the first inning, it was first and second, nobody out, and they didn't score. And then in the seventh inning, you had the bases loaded, nobody out, and the only run that came in was was on the Chris Bryant sack fly. So that's, those are no question about it. Really, really frustrating instances. But there's, you know, that's going to happen over the course of a season. And what you really want to see is the Rockies continuing to play pretty consistent baseball, keeping themselves in these games, giving them a chance to win, uh, not letting games like this get away from them, even though they were down 5 nothing, Every opportunity to come out and win the ball game just didn't end up going down that way. On the flip side, on Saturday night, they let the Cubs back in it and held on for the victory. Did the opposite, right? So you got a nice little 9-6 to six victory on Saturday night over the Cubs. A two-home run game from CJ Krohn, who's got five now on the season. That's pretty fantastic start for him. And again, a reminder that he's... Been one of the better sluggers in baseball basically since you know getting over the last or the first, I should say, month and a half or maybe two months of last season. Ever since then, he's been very, very, very good. Connor Joe, you, you, how many more things can you continue to say about Connor Joe on basing? well above 400 at this point in the season being exciting as well as productive cementing himself into the top of the lineup Connor Joe has been absolutely fantastic Uh, Charlie Blackman had two hits in that Saturday night game and uh, got robbed of his at-bat this Sunday afternoon on an absolutely abhorrent strike three call and no I'm not afraid to talk about those things it's always funny to me when people will like not even mention those kinds of things as if it wasn't very clearly something we all saw happen and something that you know fans are going to be interested in and it's kind of brutal um you know i really loved seeing the crowd come to life when charlie got introduced as the designated or i'm sorry as the pinch hitter uh this afternoon on sunday and you know i I think that's something that it can his his sort of iconography is the wrong word his icon status that's better um like iconography means something different his icon status his veteranness his experience uh his, I do think he's still got some power and strength in that bat. You know, I think that's a good place to see him, and I think that that's one of those kinds of things where maybe over the course of the season he can bring some momentum. You know, the the crowd comes to life. man. if he puts a ball in the gap there to get a run in, obviously the ideal scenario is he puts a ball over the wall there and he ties the game, and then that place comes absolutely unglued, right? But he, first of all, oh, that's a frustrating way to see all of that momentum and all that cheering and all that possibility end on a pitch that was three inches above the strike zone. And the high strike is just never called these days either. So that's that's doubly frustrating because you can't even say, like, sometimes when it's an inch or two outside, the people who really like to defend umpires will make a point of like, well, he's been calling that all game or that's too close to call or that's that's pretty common or the pitcher earned that or any of these other excuses that are made for why a ball gets called a strike. But above the letters like that's not there's nothing you can do with that pitch you don't want your guys swinging at that ever unless they're just absolutely sitting on a high fastball and they've got like an insane ability to make a contact on on a pitch like that like you have to be a tremendous hitter to do anything with that pitch so it's real frustrating to see charlie get called out on that especially when he's been scuffling a little bit in the early going when he could have played hero in this one to just take the bat out of his hands there. Uh, Really frustrating to see, but it was really cool to see him get a pair of hits in the Saturday game, drive in a run, also uh, drew a walk. So, you know, the batting average all the way up to 200. Uh, He's off to a slow start, obviously, still, but a two-hit game. Just reminding everybody, like, hey, like I'm not, you know, you don't need to bury me yet. I'm not, not an old man yet. Don't put me on the retirement list just yet. You know, it was a bad opening week, but you know, and that's another good reminder for where Brandon Rogers is at right now. Like I know it looks ugly. It doesn't just look ugly. It is ugly. It's, there's nothing good about it, right? Like three for 30 with 12 strikeouts and no one wants that. He doesn't want that. The fans don't want that. His manager doesn't want that. His teammates don't want that, but It's not going to last forever. I don't believe that it's anything more than a slump. It just happens to be at the very beginning of the season. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if some of it is, of course, related to the league adjusting to him and him needing to adjust back. But nine ball games is not enough time for any, even the best, most veteran of hitters. Look at Charlie Blackman. Look at plenty of time for... You know, guys of the past, Trevor Story, Nolan Arnato have gone through these long extended slumps and it takes more than a week and a half or two weeks of baseball to get yourself right. So, you know, I think Brendan's going to be fine. Uh, you know, he's going to continue to be in the lineup. I think the vast majority of days, even if he has to move down a little bit, just because there's plenty of other guys who are hitting. It's not so much about punishing Brendan. It's just about making sure that, you know, you're getting these other guys who are hitting a little bit higher into the lineup so you can get that run production. And, you know, it's it's kind of too bad that Diaz hitting cleanup couldn't really come through today uh, because it's really cool to see the Colorado Rockies actually having a catcher who can legitimately hit cleanup and you are excited about it. Uh, and then Ryan McMahon getting his swing back a little bit with a couple of oppo hits on Saturday, the big two-run home run that really got the Rockies back into the game. On Sunday, even though they weren't able to finish off the comeback, Uh, that was a monster jam into the second deck and right. I think they said 447 feet for Ryan McMahon on his first home run of the season. And that's another thing is like, these guys are going to hit the home run ball. It's kind of similar to what I was saying about the starting pitching. They're going to get better starting pitching than they've gotten. They just are. These guys are better than this and they're going to get more home runs than they've gotten so far. Chris Bryant, still looking for his first home run. Randall Gritchik still looking for his first home run. We'll see how many Charlie hits, but I will take the over on zero. Charlie's going to hit some home runs. Jose Iglesias hit nine last year. He's probably the guy you should pencil in for the least number. You know, but these guys are still looking for their first home runs of the season. Other than Crone, no one's been hot with the home run ball. And so that's another thing that I think you look forward to with this offense are, are going to be these times where they start putting the ball over the wall with a little bit more consistency. And who knows? It could begin as early as these next couple of days against Philadelphia. They do have Nola who got knocked around a little bit in his first couple outings. Uh, then Gibson and Eflin in that series, the Rockies will counter with Cool, Freeland, and Marquez. It'll be, of course, very interesting to see what Chad Cool has in his second start. Uh, that's going to be a big, big story all year long for the Rockies, what their fifth starter does, and uh, you know if Cool can give them innings, even if he. Can't give them especially fantastic production. He's got at the very least be able to find a way to give them innings, and boy, do they need it right now. the The bullpen has been phenomenal, and they need a rest. They need a day off, <laughs> badly. So it's uh yeah, man, a uh, really, really, really interesting start to the season for your Colorado Rockies because, like I was saying earlier, you know, and and this may sound ridiculous and foolish, but hot streaks happen, you know. Any, any team can win, a, a, have a good 9 or 10 or 12 or 15 game stretch because one guy is really hot at the plate or the starting pitching is just on a roll, right? Now, you're getting this with the bullpen, no doubt about it. That's the one thing where it's like, man, the bullpen is on a roll. Uh, there are going to be, but they also haven't been perfect. And and that's what it has really got me intrigued about this team. You know, you, you did have Chassin get knocked around the other night. Lawrence gave up a run. You know, Godot wasn't perfect today. He gives up the home run to Suzuki. Now, that ball barely got out. That's a great hit by a great hitter who's off to a great start. But Godot finished his innings, right? So, again, it, that's all the microcosm. And as I wrote today, and I hope you check it out at milehighsports.com, about chris bryant like that's the microcosm of the team think of it this way right bryant has hit in all but one game he's reached in every game he's played so far he's been good you it would be you would be very hard pressed to say like chris bryant hasn't been very good like what are you what are are you kidding me but the slugging isn't there yet the run production isn't there yet and it's a very small sample size to use a stat like OPS Plus. But those of you that saw when I tweeted this out, you know, all of the OPS Plus numbers right now, Bryant was sitting at, and this was before the Sunday game, like a 121, right? Which is very good over the course of a season. Like that's, you know, for like Nolan Arenado's like a career 124, right? So a 121, yeah, that's good. But Bryant is a career 132 guy. And that's kind of what I'm looking at this team right now. It's like they're six and three. They're hitting well. They're pitching well. They're generally everyone other than, and I, and I hate to pick on them right now, but everyone other than Brendan Rodgers is at least playing well. Even Charlie Blackman and Ryan McMahon, you might look at those hitting numbers and like, eh, but they're contributing to the offense. And McMahon's still doing his thing on defense, right? The starting pitching, though, there's there just so many obvious avenues for them to get better, despite having played so well so far. And that has got me very intrigued about where this team goes. But that said, you do got to keep an eye. It's It's way too early to get overly anxious about games like this and series like this where you split maybe against a a team, four game sets are always difficult, but where you feel like you should win the series, you know, against the Cubs and you, and you split, right? Or or you, you feel like you've really got the opportunities to win the game. Okay, you don't get it in the first, but then you got to get it in the seventh, right? Those kinds of things. This team does need to win an inordinate number of those situations in order to sneak into the postseason, right? You're not going to win all of them. You're gonna lose games like this. But they do need to find a way to win enough of them over the course of the year because that that's how I think they sneak their win total into the eighties, is by coming through in those moments. You know, I've I've drawn the comparisons a lot before to teams that didn't have superstars that now I've you, you you compare to teams that won the World Series just because we remember those teams, that doesn't mean I'm projecting the Rockies to win the World Series. But when I talk about teams like the Royals who won it. Right? or when the Giants had, were winning it every other year over the last decade, when they didn't have a whole bunch of superstars. right? And a lot of that comes down to all the little things. Winning the little battles, winning those little moments, making sure that the coin flip situations or the, th- the, the the moments where the game can swing one way or the other. right? And today that was bases loaded, seventh inning, Middle of the lineup coming up, Rockies get one run. So they lost that situation, and they lost the game. Over the course of the season, winning those situations is going to make the difference between whether or not this team can be a postseason team or not. So, yeah, frustrating, but let's see the ones that... So far, they've been very good in those, right? So far, they've been getting those, like in Texas. So... We'll keep our eyes on all of that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast, maybe take a couple of questions, but I'm a little bit tired on this Sunday afternoon. So uh, I'll do all that and uh, say goodbye to everybody. But if you're listening here on the podcast, thank you so much. Make sure you're checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com. You're following me at Drew Creisman, on Twitter. And as always, you know, let me know if you're interested in joining our Discord channel where we're talking Colorado Rockies baseball and super nerdy stuff. Uh, like 24 7 so appreciate you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there you know that i will continue to be absolutely drew creasman in here and until next time i will see you at the ballpark